was a disappointing showdown, but the Crows now move on to what should be a percentage-boosting win against the Suns this week. Join us as we chat about the loss to Port, catch up on all the news with Nicky, and look forward to the clash with Gold Coast. Let's get the Crows back on the winners list. This is Crowcast. Welcome to another edition of Crowcast. Um, we've got a full panel here tonight and we'll be talking about the uh, showdown last week and, and uh, also discussing this week's game against the Gold Coast and of course having news with Nikki. So before we proceed, I'll just say good day to everyone. We've got Danos. Hello. And we've got Nikki. Hello. And we've got Waffle. Good evening. At least you didn't say hello. Just well, have to be different, know, don't you? You don't know when people are listening, so they could be listening in the morning and you say good evening to them. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening and good night. It's five o'clock somewhere. And with that, let's head over to Nikki for Nikki's news. All right, the AFL put up um, something a little interesting, uh, which I thought might be a good little discussion point. They did like a, a little injuries list and they did a ladder on how many players each team's had injured, the total games missed, but also the total games missed by their best 22. And I think so, they got ours completely wrong. Yeah, we yeah because they're saying there's only eight games, so they're, they're best 22 so we're trying we're, I think people are still trying to figure out who those eight games are as to whether Riley's included is it Kerridge is it Crouch um I don't think they included Cheney um but I think we all agree that um Cheney's in there but it's kind of interesting that the total amount so the Eagles and the Tigers have the biggest list with 17 players injured the Cats have 16 and you got the Blues and the Lions on 15 and then it drops down to 13 with us, the Suns, and the Bulldogs. Um, and 10 at the Saints, um, the Giants, and the Swans are on nine each. On the Bombers, oh, the Kangaroos are 12. Got the Kangaroos have got 12 injured. And the Power are the ones with the lo- um, lowest number of um, players injured, which is seven. Um, so they kind of sit at the bottom of the ladder. So at the top, you've got the Saints and the Kangaroos, the Cats, the Bombers. Um, Eagles, Tigers, and there's a whole stack in the, in the middle, which I, you know, I kind of thought it was a, a bit interesting because they've they've kind of based the ladder on the average games experience missing per match. So the Saints have 727 games against, which basically just means Montagna and Revolt. But I think their their kids have actually performed quite well. So I'm not so sure how they're going to go with them back in the side um, this week. For the Gold Coast, Nick, did they um, say that the injuries were caused by beer drinker's elbow? No, that's not including the players who have been banned by their team or the AFL. I heard Bloody was getting a game this week. Oh, it's just shocking. They they elevated somebody from the rookie list. So whoever you are who was on the main list and you're still stuck on the emergency and you're listed as one of the emergencies, you'd be feeling a bit hard done by that a rookie got elevated ahead of you. Yeah, but that was Andrew Raines, and he's fairly experienced, and I think they're experienced than another debutante. Oh, and 
Um, what is it? Um, Cowan from Geelong is making his debut after, what is it, three years sitting on the injury list? Five years, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah, it's even longer. We were trying to figure out because they had the, um, the number of um, days he'd missed, and I'm thinking, how many days is that? But, yeah, it's forty-eight, I think. Oh, some ridiculous number. But the fact that they've kept him on the list, you know, you, you played three, what is it, three games in his first year and then nothing after that. I'd, I'd just retire. Hard when you're a kid and it's what you've been dreaming of doing for five years is a large part of your life. Just yeah, to give on it the up. list, I'm going to come good. Yeah, so, so, Geelong obviously felt that he had something. Yeah, they, would, they wouldn't have kept him otherwise. But so basically the, the, the main outs that, that we're really concerned about, so Douglas is out for us between four to six weeks. So Polak for Port, he's out at least six weeks, but the stress fracture is exactly the same that Drac Trengove has and they're implying that he kind of had it up at Brisbane. So he's had it for two years. So this could be very interesting as to what happens um, with Polak. Now, Kennedy for the Eagles was interesting because I was watching AFL 360 and um, he was being interviewed and she kind of, uh, the journalist who was interviewing him said, you know, it wasn't going to be um, surgery or whatever. And he just kind of, he goes, no, that was blowing all out of context. That was never going to happen. I'm going to play. So, you know, quite too sure what's going on there. But he has been named, but it didn't look good when he did it. He's a... Feet don't stutter anymore. It's just his elbow, Nicky. Oh, well, West Coast really need key position players. Um, so the other interesting stuff that's happened this week, so Rance decided to throw the ball into Selwood's face, and that's cost him $1,000. Uh, May- a thousand bucks worth well spent, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to wait and see if one of you piped up as to how many people would actually want to do it. didn't duck at the right time, the silly clown. Oh, it was a good throw. Um, I don't think that kind of fits in with his good Jehovah's Witness background. I don't think he should be doing things like that. Um, May challenged his two-game ban for rough conduct against Rocklift, and it's been increased to three. The fact that the prosecutor said he was unlucky, I mean, it was a hit. It got him in the head. The rules are now that you can't do it, but I think that's tough, particularly when you consider that Nick Robinson he hit Tom Nichols in the same game and he only gets $1,000. There's just so much inconsistency still. It's, you know, I mean, I guess they're never going to be able to police it completely consistently, but there's a hell of a lot of disparity between one week to the next. No, yeah, and then you consider that Hodge went straight to the tribunal and he ends up with three games. And you'd say that his, what he did should definitely um, have more than what May um, got. And then, of course, Lewis received two games for hitting Goldstein. Uh, Jamie Elliott has extended his contract by three years with Collingwood and Jared Pickett at GWS has also extended his contract for, but only for a year. Elliott's interesting because uh, when his three years will come out, that'll be 25 and I think he'll hit the free agency mark. So that's going to be interesting um, whether he stays at Collingwood or not. You would think there'd be an awful lot of clubs interested in him. Yeah, he's a quality. For, he's improved out of sight. He's a quality forward. Yeah, he is, and and he's very hard to match up on. Although we do seem to have the player who does tend to stop him quite well. Um, we've 
kind of touched on this a little bit about Gold Coast and their alcohol issues with the three players banned for agreeing not to drink this week and then seen out in public doing it. Very interesting that two players fessed up as well that they did it, but they didn't get dropped because they were only, they were at home. Funny how it was their Ruckman and their five goal forward. It was five or was it six goals? So I think there's definitely some little double standards going on there. Um, uh, they're only having a wine with tea though. Oh, yeah, with their family. So that's okay, even though they were told to have no alcohol whatsoever because they cramped up. Didn't, didn't yeah. uh, Danny Stanley also um, get yeah. dropped? Yes, he's, well? he's been done as well. He's been found out a little bit later, so he's also um, got copped the one-week suspension. I did find it was interesting that Walsh was asked about it today and he said that um, there is an alcohol policy at Adelaide. Um, he's not going to tell us what it is, so he's sort of – keeping his um, King King John Phil title in check. Um, but what he came up with, the leadership group went away, talked about it, came back and said, that nah, won't work here. And Phil's changed um, his stance to fit in with what the leadership group said. Um, and I find that very interesting that, you know, because we thought that Phil might be quite a dictator, but no, he's happy to do the feedback and listen to what they're saying, what the playing group's going, well, no, that doesn't work here because, and he's um, going with it. The other thing... That's, that's about picking your battles, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it was what he said that it was and what they came back with and he still thinks that's reasonable within the limits and they're still going to be professional and everything else, and um, he said that they've had no incidents um, where they've had to give each other feedback as yet. So, you know, it, it seems to be working. It's only been going for a little while, but it's um, working a little bit. Uh, do we all kind of get the feeling that Brisbane's imploding on itself? That's what I was about to say. They just are a rabble. Oh, this is, you know, from bad to worse to what else could go wrong. Um, I mean, you've got the CEO saying they're non-competitive. You've got Lepic yelling at a reserves player who disrespect, who had just disrespected the NEFL coach, um, basically told him to F off. You know, understandable in that respect, but it became public very quickly. Who hasn't ever told their coach to F off? I don't probably, think he can do it in the AFL. Yeah, probably not to their face. No. Maybe under your breath. But he did it to his face, um, and he's only a rookie. Um, and if you're wanting to play... 24-year-old rookie. Yeah, so you think he's on... Um, one of his last chances to actually be able to play AFL and you would be to do something as stupid as that, but oh well. And prior to all this occurring, he'd just had that post-match interview where he thought that his team didn't care about winning at all. And in light of that, Carlton are offering two-for-one tickets for people to go to the game this weekend against Brisbane because I think they're worried that nobody's going to turn up. I mean, I picked Carlton for my gauntlet pick this week because I figure it's the one chance they're actually going to have to win soon. Is this all about the cola? It seems to me that ever since they kind of lost their allowance, they've just gone downhill. They were such a strong club in the early part of the century, and now they're an absolute rabble. Yeah, there's some really interesting things going on up there. And the other um, thing which was Jenny reported on the board was that Gold Coast have dropped their prices for their tickets um, in order to try and get people to go to the games as well. I mean, the cheapest seated reserve ticket I think was she said was $51 and that's a lot of money just to um, have your seat when they're not getting crowds coming in so yeah they're, they're having to drop their prices 
GWS just get the uh, should get a renter crowd from the rugby with the way they fill their stadium. Um, they're probably comparable to the rugby crowds because they're dropping off considerably. I mean, they only get around ten. Thanks, Nikki, for that. Um, oh, just one thing. What's the any word on Rory? Uh, he trained today, um, and they said, yeah, he'll be fine. It's a worry. Got it two weeks in a row. If it's a what is it? A cork, isn't it? Yeah, cork calf. Yeah, and I think they've um, they lightened his load towards the start of the week, but he had to do training today. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for that, Nick. And let's move on now to last week's game against Port Adelaide. Before we get stuck into it, obviously we lost by a couple of goals. We had plenty of chances to win. Terribly inefficient up forward. Um, I don't. I don't. I, don't I think know terribly is the right word. Horrendously. Atrocious. I'm um, just. I'm just going to say it right now. Fucking Josh Jenkins never needs to play again. I should have put a. I should have put a bet on him. On Phoenix saying something about Josh. I can't believe it's not butter. Seriously. Weirdly, though, he was more um, able to keep up with the game than Jacobs was. Yeah, look, he's not effective and he's ruining our forward structure. My eight-month-old infant is more intense than JJ. There were some bad decisions made by the players upfield who Tex knew he was getting double teamed. He was leading out to the pocket so that two players would follow him, which meant we had two players free. And what do we do? We slip back to last year's and we kick to Tex, not to the two players that are free in the centre. Well, what I can see now happening is the first couple of games, um, and I think we spoke about it at the time, we were quite good at hitting up to about 40 metres out. And I think opposition teams have gotten onto that and they're just blocking space and forcing us to either go around the outside of the of the arc to try and get an opening or force us to bomb in long. We haven't adjusted to that and Jenkins is nowhere to be found. Um, so we don't have marking options and they just sit on text. Well he was um, he was it goes. he Jenkins was actually one of those free players a lot of the time. And yet and midfielders didn't kick to him. They just kind of kept looking at tax. And so it would get chopped off and come back out again. But is um, that because of a lack of confidence in what JJ was going to Well, no, because Eddie sometimes was that other free player or Lynch. They just, I think they just became focused on tax because, and I wondered whether it was to do with tax has, hasn't had a good couple of weeks and they were trying to help to bring him into the game, but he was sacrificing his own game. Um, you know, with those, those leading out wide because you figured out what was going on. And it was it was just some stupidity from our midfielders. Eddie Betts was a one-man show up there last Sunday. He's just unbelievable. Money well spent. He could have had seven. He could have had ten. Ten? Or do you mean nine? Ten. He kicked five goals, three, and two out on the full. Yeah, true. Yeah, uh, our forward line is, has gone from hero to zero in about 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, I do go on about Jenkins, but he's, he's, a key, he's a key part of our forward structure and he's unsighted. 
you know, um, we're playing him as a tall marking forward and the only ball he gets is ground ball. Um, something's got to happen. Well, that's probably why Phil's kept him in for so long if he's getting lots of ground ball. <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the other thing was I just couldn't believe Jacobs. He was just atrocious. Yeah, my 90-year-old grandmother would have it would have been faster than what Sammy J was on the weekend, that's for sure. I mean, to be fair to Port, they were very good at spotting that he was that link player over there and taking advantage of it. Um, but he's the ruck work in the centre and around the ground, he just could not at any time. He had no idea where the, when the ball was going to land. He, his anticipation was just off completely. I get the feeling he's got this, uh, this mindset when he's coming up with a really good ruckman that he feels like he needs to jump against them. I have no idea why he want to because it didn't help him in any way or form. But against Goldstein and now against Bobby and Ryder, he just couldn't. He couldn't time anything. It was like he was doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's like he's trying to get get body on them, like get a knee into them. But they've co- they cotton onto that and they just stay off. And he basically jumps up and down on the spot, and then they get the tap. Yep. Yeah, pretty much that was it. It was just so frustrating. It was like. <clears throat> Normally, Tomo's the one I want to kill, but I wanted to kill Jacobs, and Tomo was the one who dragged us back into the game. There's a big disparity between Jacobs' good and bad. You know, there's there's, there's a fairly wide gap there between his good games and when he stinks it up, and we needed him to stand up last week. And he, I mean, you know, he had a big ask against two quality Ruckman and, and you know, also Westhoff jumping around, but he didn't even give a whimper. Which is why it makes me wonder whether there's going to be a late change, for, um, given that we've not really had a backup Ruckman for, well, since Tippett left. Does Riley O'Brien fly over as the emergency? That's the key, isn't it? He's still named, currently named in the SNFL side, and Noble said tonight that they would discuss it after they'd finalised the SNFL side as to who they would take as the emergency, whether it would be O'Brien or whether it would be one of the runners. It'll be interesting if they take more than one. I think from what Noble said, it's only going to be one player that they take as the emer- travelling emergency. But I did note for the SNFL side that both Osborne, um, that Osborne's back in um, after his concussion uh, rest from last week and Loudon's there as well. So there's two ruck options and in the SNFL and we've used Nick Mott as well as um, a backup ruck. Loudon's the one that interests me when he gets fit. Um, I think he's got more to offer than Riley O'Brien at the moment. Um, I think Riley O'Brien will be something eventually when he can kick, but I think Loudon's the immediate one. Um, Noble was asked about um, Rob and his ability to go back at all because we do know he has done that um, with Calder. And his reply was that what they were interested in and why they um, got him on as a rookie was purely his ruck work and his second efforts around the ground. They see him purely as a ruckman. Um, Loudon is a forward who can ruck as well quite well. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting that the way he was saying it was that they 
that he's kind of like a the next Jacobs is my, is my impression. You know, the person who's primarily a ruck. In three or four years, or four or five years, when Jacobs is um, the end of his career, then he might be the one who jumps in. At two hundred and four centimeters, you'd hope Loudon could tap the ball and ruck. Well, apparently I was listening to the SNFL game because it was <laughs> another disaster of me going to watch the Crows play a night game. At least I'm, I'm not going tomorrow night. Um, so hopefully the lights or nothing will go out and the game will still go ahead against Norwood. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of interesting. They, they did talk that he was getting a few ruck taps and, and things like that up forward. Um, I would have liked to have seen him live. So I'll wait to see. Um, if I think my family's um, going tomorrow night and see what they tell me what Loudon actually looks like live. Well, he's done well in Ruck for Box Hill when he played for them. So um, there's no reason that once he gets a bit of run in his legs, he can't come in. And as a second Ruck option, playing up forward as a big marking option, at least to contest, he's got to give us more than Jenkins does. Yeah. Well, you'd hope he doesn't need the... He doesn't suffer from heart injury like Jenkins. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's kind of part of his makeup from what we understand. Um, but to get back on the showdown game, I reckon there were a couple of positives. I would say Tomo was amazing. And that smother that he did in the second quarter, that was the turning point that made us just keep that ball down there. But I think that made the rest of the team lift going, okay, he's done that. We've got to lift our game as well. And we did, but, oh, my God, we should have been in front by the end of that um, second quarter. And I thought our back line actually did remarkably well, even though, yes, they won and they got a couple, there were a couple of easy kicks and things like this that they did get. But overall, I thought that was actually a pretty decent performance from them. I may be wrong, but my recollection of the first quarter, it was even times where we should have scored. We didn't. Yeah. Just going to have a look now at the first quarter. Bear with me. Two goals, three we kicked. And from memory, a couple of those were very gettable goals. Incredibly gettable. Yeah. Like yeah, you're right, Dan. They were always. Yeah. So it, it really began right from the, that first quarter. That they couldn't miss and we couldn't hit. Yeah. Well, and the, and the longer we kept it in our forward lines with that press, the more we got sucked up the ground and the easier it was for them to get us over the back when they eventually released. Yeah. And that was pretty much the story of the game. I mean, we had more of the ball. We just didn't convert. They had, they had to, when they, they were doing that quick thing, there were a couple through the midfield, but most of the time they had to bring it out quite wide. So we were pushing them wide. Um, there was just a couple of amazing little runs by Gray. Because I haven't watched the replay and I don't really want to, I suspect there were a couple of some good blocks put by Port players to get Gray um, for that nice little space he was getting, which is good teamwork. Um, but overall, like the end of the game when the siren went, we just kind of went, you know, we should have won that. There were some good things. I'm actually not that upset. It was a really weird feeling. It, was a, it wasn't a normal showdown. It was very I, – I, I sat there watching the first half thinking this is a very strategic game. It was very much about Hinckley and Walsh, you know, playing a bit of chess. Um, you know, it wasn't crash and bash. 
although both teams were hard for the ball, it, w- it was very much about structure and, and matchups and, and um, you know, field position, which was a, a very stark change to what we normally see against Port Adelaide. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, that was, yeah, it was weird sitting there. You were you were waiting for that moment. You could, there was just this real murmuring in the crowd. We were just kind of waiting for something to really, so that we could um, get up and going. There was a little bit of run going on in the third. But, um, yes, and the less said about the umpiring, the better. Oh, that umpiring was disgraceful. The 250 metres in the third, I think was just shocking but I was sitting there I was sitting on the edge of my couch I was waiting for the game to break us to break the game open but or port to do it it didn't happen it was just a good you know strategic game yeah which which makes me think that most people are still putting port as you know top four well if they're top four we kicked badly but, you know, I thought we kept up with them and we pressured them the whole way, never really quite got away. There was that little bit run on once they gave away that stupid free to Schultz that then just opened up. But we still kept fighting till the end. Yeah. You know. There was, no, there was no giving up. No. And so that's why I had that really weird feeling at the end. And, you know, well, if they're top four, we're up there. We, we're close to it. It's just things just aren't quite clicking yet. This might, I might sound like a bit of a broken record here because I've mentioned it. Does anyone un- understand what Jenkins was doing? So many, t- there was about four or five times where he was contesting in the rut, one of the port players at the bottom of the pack, and he'd come in like he was giving them a big hug. It was very odd. The, the tackling. Yeah. Um, I think it was, we, we tried to, to keep that ball in a couple of times so they couldn't, um, do the little quick escape or whatever. It looked like it was getting close to being a ball up, but the umpire hadn't called it yet. So I wonder whether that was part of it. I think there was a one point there was almost like four or five ball ups the umpire had to do. It was just ball up and tackle, full stops. It was Jenkins' attempt to look like he was going in hard. Yeah, that was the impression that I got. I mean, seriously, that's what it was. I, it, it, he was last man in, and he just, like you said, Dan, I was just, you know, sit over the top of the, of the players already on the ground. It was useless and pointless. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head of what I thought it was. Thanks. So what's our overarching feeling about that game then? We, we haven't got the talent yet. Yeah, a bit empty. We've just got a lot more to work on in terms of improvement, a few delivery. Yeah, sorry. A few genuine holes. But we think that it's nearly there or we can see where we've got that improvement coming and there's improvement within the group. Well, our disposal broke down under pressure again. Um, our field kicking and our shooting for goal broke down again under under genuine pressure. Um, and a lot of that pressure was just implied pressure. There was a few rush kicks that didn't need to be rushed. So we've got a bit to work on both in terms of our um, ability to settle. But I also think we were exposed... Um, structurally um, and talent-wise, we're, we're a couple of tools short at the moment. Um, you know, with a Hardigan, I mean, I'm a fan of Hardigan, but, you know, obviously he's got lots to work on 
we need another marking forward, and we need Jay. Like, and and the tools that we have got. I mean, Tex hasn't fired now for a month, so I don't know what's going on there. I think that losing Gaypod to commentators. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Commentators quite often on the weekend were mentioning uh, how we lacked a marking key forward, and that Ryder was the difference between take a mark when the ball was kicked in there. We just didn't have anyone who could do it. Last year, it was Jared who was taking those marks. And most of the good teams have that bailout, that guy that can take a big mark or at least contest in the air and bring the small players into it. Unfortunately, Eddie's not able to crumb the way a small forward should because the ball just isn't coming to the front of the pack. Could um, This could be a bit of a silly statement question, but could Lever be the swing man for this week? I think he might play more that loose man in defence. I would suggest, though, that sitting in the SNFL are two options we've got, which is actually Osborne and Loudon, and they're both tall and they're both very mobile. Yeah, Loudon's the one. I'd also like to see him try Henderson up forward. I'm not a huge Henderson fan either, but he does lead up well and he has got a nice long kick on him. I'd like to see him try that, um, perhaps if they do bring Lever in at some stage. You mean like he is this weekend? Well, that's where he's named. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Lever's going to um, play down back, and but I think he might be given that little bit of licence to roam. I'm not sure who else is going to go on Tom Lynch if um, Lever doesn't know. Cheney's, he's, he'll be giving up 12 or 13 centimetres to Tom Lynn. And you know that Kelly's taller than Cheney? I do, but I don't think he's a key defender. Kelly? Yeah. I know he's got a few extra centimetres than Cheney, but I don't think he's the... I don't think he is either. I think he's a Nathan, Nathan Bassett type. I actually think he and Cheney are very similar in the in the way that they play, except he's a bit more shut down. Cheney's a bit more creative. Yeah, and, and Kelly, although there was a moment, um, I think it was the third quarter, um, there was Westhoff was, um, Port were kicking out, looked like Westhoff was going to be like a certain mark to Westhoff. He managed to get his hand in it, and then he did this really great little tap forward to advantage to us, which gave us a shot on goal, which unfortunately missed. But, you know, there, there is a little bit of creativeness to him. Um, I think that just most of the time, like his first year in the SNFL, he was used primarily as the stopper. This year I noticed those couple of games in the SNFL, he had a bit more freedom. Um, and so there was a slight change to his role. So I think he may be able to develop that. But, of course, he is very young um, within his career. Charlie Dixon is my concern. Um, Daniel Talia is going to need a hand back there to try and keep him to minimal goals. And I think that's probably what um, uh, uh, Lever's role is going to be primarily to um, in front. Be the chop be off. Be the chop off. Because he judges it really well now. <laughs> I think I've, I've said this before on the board that his first game in the S, um, the trial game, the SNFL, I thought he looked, he was miles away from the pace of the game. 
then the following week he was just completely up and running. Um, so I think I think there's the ability there that he's going to get the, the the feel of the game quite quickly. Yeah, they they had a bit of a segment on him on AFL team this evening, and they were pointing out the fact uh, that last week just really good in that chop out role um, in front of the pack and um, take a mark or spring the ball. He's he's often actually playing on somebody um, as well as he does it. So he's, he's got a good judgment on when he can leave his man. He can actually anticipate what's going to happen. Well, he's going to be busy because you know that they're going to try and isolate whoever Tully is not on. Yeah, so well, it's really. If Daniel takes um, Dixon, then you won't be seeing much of Dixon. No. Well, even though he is a very tall and a bit hard to miss. <laughs> And with that beard. But, the, but they'll just run. They'll just run Talia around. They they won't focus on him. No, they'll try and keep him away as much as possible, which I think is what a lot of teams are doing. And if you put him on a, uh, a good forward, you know that the other team's actually going to try and sacrifice that forward just because they don't want Talia near the ball. And I heard a comment from Talia the other day saying how difficult he's finding it to know when to go with and know when to zone back. So it's obvious from that comment that he's finding himself being let out of the play quite regularly. Um, And I think that's pretty much a standard tactic now because we're so short down back. I'm going to be interested to see because I've not known what Jake has been like in the SNFL if he actually starts bossing around everybody else in the AFL team, which I, I actually think that's highly likely to happen. He's got a uh, veteran's head on a rookie's shoulders, uh, Jake Lever. I like what I see. He's very fond of yelling at his teammates. Even when he's on the bench, he's still barking out instructions even when they pull him off for a rest. He's, he stands there and he prowls that line and he yells. He's a line coach. <laughs> and apparently his old man's fond of um, leaning over the fence and, and giving his opponents a bit of what for as well, <laughs> verbally. He's obviously learnt a lot from this year that he's had on the sideline, basically for the cannons. Yeah, he's. Um, I think there was a report on Fox Sports, but I remember one of the interviews with um, his call to Cannons coach, he actually said he would sit in the coach's box with them. And so he's learnt a lot by um, following them around and working with the other players as well. So he still tried to keep completely and utterly involved. So I take it we've basically moved on to start talking about the Gold Coast, haven't we? <laughs> I was just about to say that. Um, just before we move on to that officially, um, Concerns about the midfield, I'm seeing Dangerfield get back to his old inside habits. He had to. Um, yeah, but... Because, we, it, no, we'd, we'd lost other players out of there. I mean, Sloan we lost very early. Sloan had to go and play up in the forward line. Um, so Danger had to play more in the midfield. And um, Ellis Yolman um, wasn't getting the ball out as much as what he did early on. So Danger kind of, it was him and Tomo had to be the ones to go back in and get it and the others were being the outside players. That's a big loss this week, uh, Cam Ellis-Jolman. 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching him. I have too. I, in my opinion, watching Danger on the weekend, uh, we watched it on TV, Phoenix, but uh, there was some notable time. There was some notable contests. Uh, he could see one or two of our players heading towards the ball and get it off the course of the ball, which I've not seen him do before this year. He would go in head first regardless of him. So I, I still think that he's at least uh, becoming more accustomed to not going into every as hard as possible. Yeah, and I, you're right, I did watch it on the telly, so you don't see that on the TV. You just see that, you know, that little spotlight and you can see the 32 burrowing. Um, uh, uh, we didn't look very effective. Like, when they moved move the ball through the midfield, they looked very cohesive, um, whereas we just looked panicky and every kick out of the middle is to that right half-forward flank. Um, we got robbed of the corridor. Um, again, that's happened over the last three weeks as well. We've been robbed of that centre corridor movement. Interesting to see if Gold Coast are able to do that against us or not because they've basically been our bitches. Yes, and uh, as we see with uh, many clashes when you beat a side easily, that the percentages say they will get one up on you, hopefully not this week. Oh, look, it's just going to be a, a talent mis mismatch this week. It, I mean, it's a nothing game. We're playing a Gold Coast Reserves team. We should beat them by 100 points. Tex might get back into form. Cause do, do they really have a defender to go with him? They don't really have a direct matchup. And I, I don't think they ever really have, though. Do they throw their Tom Lynch down back? That'll confuse the commentators. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see this game being anything is hardly worth watching. Uh, they're, they're so short on, on players and so short on talent, I just can't see how they're going to get their hands on the ball. Oh, there's, there's still some fair talent in there. I mean, one of my favourite players is, that I think is one of the most underrated is Prestia is still in their midfield and he's quite amazing. Um, I don't think he's so underrated. He's fantastic. Yeah, but everybody kind of talks up O'Meara and all the others. It's like, nah, if I could steal one player from Gold Coast, I wouldn't I wouldn't have taken O'Meara even before the injury. I would have taken Prestia. Yeah, I agree with that. He's an, uh, he, uh, he gave Scotty Thompson a bath one game that we played yeah, against. 45 sessions. Was it last session. year? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. They, they just haven't got any midfield firepower apart from him, and they've got a couple of genuine tools that we can cover. They're, they're just too thin on the ground. And like I said, if we don't win by 10-plus goals, then we've you know lost an opportunity to build up some percentage, I think. So is our interest seeing Lions, Grig and Crouch in the midfield and how well she uses it? Yes, that would be... Interesting to see how he's going to Mine rotate the future. One of, one of them has to be the sub, though. Yeah, or, or Cameron, or VB even. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Cameron or VB. So we're going to do tips, or there's no point? <laughs> or is it going to be on margin this week? I think margin's probably a good way of looking at it. Well, I've already said what I think. It'll be a 10-plus slacking, I think. How many um, possessions did Tomo get that game? That was or like equaled the AFL record or whatever. 51. 50, 50, 51. Yeah, that's right. Is he going to better that? 
critical uh, Tommy Rockcliffe up for his 65 possessions. Yeah, that was a fair effort. So anyone else got uh, a points margin they want to dangle? 45. Stolen my thunder a bit there, Waffle. I thought I'd actually think it's going to be a bit close. People think. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than 40. I think they'll pull their finger out a bit. But... I think we'll run away with it in the end. I think this is the sort of game where a bunch of really young um, pull something out that they might not be capable of as experienced players around because they have to. But I wonder as well the result against the Bulldogs, whether that's going to be in the minds of our players. We can't underestimate them. Well, that's what we'd... One hope. Like one of my old cricket captains used to say, uh, you're on a hiding to nothing, Gold Coast. Well, they're really under the pump. So, yep. Go on. No, I was going to wind that up because I don't think there's much more really to say about it. It's, um, you know, it's our game to lose. Um, so let's hope that we can play a few players back into form and see a few young kids uh, stand up and show us something and hopefully, um, you know, it it shows us a a bit of a glimpse of the future in terms of a couple of lads. Yep, I'm actually looking forward to to seeing this because I want to see those little midfield battles and I'll see that that back line of ours just keep developing and working together as a unit. All right, guys. Well, thanks for all of that. Uh, looks like we're prepared to move on from the showdown and looking forward to hopefully a comfortable win against the Gold Coast. So at this point, we'll wind it up for the evening. So thanks, Danos, for your time. Thanks, Phoenix, and I really enjoyed listening to your Guitar Hero microphone tonight. Yeah, that's getting edited out. Uh, Nikki, thanks very much again for all your work. No problems. And Waffle, thanks for your input, mate. Always fun. Thanks, Phoenix. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, we look forward to a good game on the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to Crowcast, brought to you by Casmar Event Technologies, bringing you In Excess Tribute Band Kick, live at the Emu Hotel, Saturday, May the 9th. We'll see you there, or we'll see you at the footy. Yeah, the